We are women who have given up on trying to live in perfectionism and guilt. Because let's be honest, it just doesn't work. So we're trying something different and choosing to live intentionally and with hope. Please join us as we attempt to open the conversation and search out answers in a safe place. Welcome to the Moo Lily podcast. Hello. Thank you for joining us. This is our second episode for 2017. I'm Christina and I'm here with Christiana and Larissa. Hi. Hi. Greetings. It's it's a beautiful morning. It is. And um, we're... We're building some new muscles. We've got some new equipment, and it's an exciting new day. We have sock mics. We do. <laughs> <laughs> so in case you're wondering what the heck is a sock mic, there's a special <laughs> little fuzzy thing that goes over the microphone that the stops cover. The, the P's and S's and J's and Q's. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what sounds mm-hmm. that it blocks, but we don't have enough, so we've got my... <laughs> my nine-year-old socks, my son's socks folded over the microphone. It's really a good look. We might just go with it. I think so. we need a picture yeah. before this is done yeah, of our sock absolutely. mics. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to sort of introduce Larissa more officially. She's been working with the Moolinley Village for a while now. We haven't had her back on the podcast, though. So she's one of our primary bloggers, and she is taking care of all the social media stuff. So if you like what you see on Instagram, (laughs) she deserves all the credit. Um, Yeah. Most most of the credit. Well, a a significant portion, I think. I enjoy doing it. Good. Good to be part of the team. It's really good to have you. Uh, The other person I want to mention is our good friends at Wooten Media, who make it all happen. They do. (laughs) And guide us through... This new phase of mm-hmm. recording with sock mics and yep, all kinds of stuff. Also, speaking of Instagram, you should check us out. That's where most of our consistent upgrading information and such is happening. Um, we also have a website, of course, moolily.com, mm-hmm. and we are on Facebook. We are on Facebook. We are. More will be coming to Facebook in 2017. <laughs> it's my New Year's resolution. Don't look at me. It's not my job. <laughs> it's mine. It's <laughs> mine. <laughs> <laughs> so today we want to talk about who we are as Moolily, what we're trying to achieve, and why you should listen to us. Uh, over the past uh, couple of months, we've had a lot of new followers, and we're really excited to have you on board. And we want you to know that, you know, we are real women. We are all moms. We all work. We all have different roles and different hats that we're wearing. And we understand the intensity of this life and what the world throws at us. Um, and we want you to understand. So I'm going to start out and then I'm going to hand it over to Christiana and she's going to share some yeah. powerful insights from her life. So um, what I wanted to share before we get started is the meaning of the name Moo Lily. So I, if you've been with us for a long time, you've probably heard this a few times, but I just think it's worth saying again. So I'm Australian, in case you hadn't picked that up. <laughs> and uh, the word Moo Lily comes from two Aboriginal words. So the tribe in Western Australia is called the Noongar people, and it's a conglomeration of multiple tribes that have formed, like remnants of different groups that. that have formed together, which is a really beautiful thing. And 
Munya means safe house or safe place, and Dulili means together. So I've mm-hmm. sort of cut and paste and made the word Mulili. Uh, and I want this to be a place where we are safe together, where we can be real, where we can be honest, where we can really say, I want to grow in this. I want change in this without yeah. there being, without us handing you a new stick to beat yourself with, <laughs> but mm-hmm. encouraging you and supporting you in that. Um, and living with intentionality and hope. So we're going to hit on a couple of things um, that you heard in the intro, you know, we've given up on living in perfectionism and guilt. So we're going to be talking about those yep. and living with intentionality and hope. And we're going to look, um, Larissa's going to share specifically about intentionality and how that has shifted things in her life. So, yeah, it's good to be here. It is good to be here. And I think what we saw emerged last year is that the things in our little intro kept popping up in podcasts, you know, perfectionism guilts, intentionality, right. they kind of became themes. Mm-hmm. So I love that we're taking this moment to sort of reflect on how they've impacted our lives yeah, and our process with the Lord. Absolutely. I think it's always good to come back to your values and yeah. like, this is, this is why I'm doing this and this is what is important to me. Let's maintain that and yep. enforce that. So tell us about your journey with perfectionism, Christiana. I thought you were going to start. Well, I was going to introduce it. Oh, <laughs> I see how it is. I see how it is. Um, yeah. So let's just recap. And perfectionism is a refusal to accept any standard short of what you believe is the ideal perfect scenario in any given situation. Mm-hmm. It's a delusion. Right. <laughs> it's not possible. It's not possible. It's holding yourself to an unrealistic expectation. As we've talked about, it's a trap. It's Mm -hmm. a prison and you can't get out of it by any effort of your own because that's your problem to begin with, right? Is that you're believing you can achieve or be something that you actually can't. (laughs) Right. So I think it's also not cliche or trite to talk about this because I think as women, as we've just broken apart over this last year, it's so prevalent in every area of society Mm -hmm. and in our lives. And yeah, there's kind of a social movement to fight back against perfectionism but Mm -hmm. we're not there yet we are not there yet as a culture and it doesn't matter if you're talking about your body or your faith perfectionism is just this massive force I think that we're all battling with and so the really funny thing is that I never would have called myself a perfectionist (laughs) (laughs) prior to last year ever I would never use that language um, to describe myself because I don't really care about appearances mm-hmm. you know people who know me well are laughing right now <laughs> just say that they know how true it is I don't care about a Pinterest perfect Instagram perfect life at all I'm transparent right I'm, I'm very in touch with I'm broken I'm mm-hmm. a broken dysfunctional person Okay, like I've accepted I'm in process, mm-hmm. right? So I never thought of myself as a perfectionist. But then came the reality of, I always think I should be further along in the process. Why am I not further along in this journey? Well, that was perfectionism. I always told myself it's because, you know, I have that expectation because I'm a visionary. Like I see the potential in myself. I see the potential in people. Um, I'm, I'm intense. Like I want to live to the ultimate that I can, like, I don't want to yes. be on my deathbed going, I missed out. Like I could have mm-hmm. had more in this life. That's like a nightmare scenario for me. And the Lord just this last summer, because of Mulily, let that whole thing kind of come bubbling up out of the cesspool depths. 
Um, hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. And what he, his take on it was like, no, beloved, your expectations for yourself are primarily birthed out of perfectionism. Mm. It is not this whole other thing you have going on in your head. That mm. is perfectionism. Perfectionism destroys happiness. It mm. sucks the joy out of everything. It breeds dissatisfaction with everything that it touches because you are constantly in your head going, it should be better. It should be better. So everything is unsatisfying. So you can never enjoy the moment or no. be content with the finished product that you've right. produced or done. You nailed it. Interesting. Exactly. And so disappointment is kind of like the background music of my life. And like there's some validity in maybe there are times in your life when you really made a bad choice and you're disappointed or you're subject to someone else's bad choice. Right. And that's disappointing. Absolutely. Um, but I think that in general, when there's a persistent feeling of disappointment um, with yourself, that's a really great indicator you have unrealistic expectations. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> so tell me, how did you come to that realization? Like there was a conversation with the Lord where he named yeah. that. Were you asking him specifically? Was there a something that came up that was like, okay, this is not just... Me being a go-getter. Yeah. I kind of have spirals of disappointment and depression and sorrow that okay. I kind of go through. And the Lord just so clearly and kindly and tenderly started going, well, why? Hmm. Why? Why do you feel this way? And there's, you know, other reasons. But primarily, there's this pervasive overshadowing belief of I should have done X, Y, Z better. I should be more mature. I should be this or that. And he kept going, well, why? Well, why? And as I just started talking to him about it and his kindness, he just started shining that light on what it really is. Mm -hmm. It's perfectionism. It's not these other things you have playing through your head. And it was hard and it was shocking and it was painful. And I just kept coming back because he's so kind. And it was his tenderness again and again, just speaking right into those places in my heart that kind of opened up the conversation. Right. With the Lord mm -hmm. about looking at uh, what it really is. And so many of those conversations were me going, well, I should be able to do this. And God going, nope, actually you can't. Do you say that out loud or is that a conversation in your heart? Uh, like, Do you feel both. like that is a pressure that's coming externally? or Oh, primarily? that I should be doing something better? Uh -huh. It's all me. I mean, okay. it's all internal mm -hmm. most of the time. It's, it's an internal reality. But it was really hard for God to keep saying, no, actually you can't do this because I'm thinking I'm in like fifth grade and actually I'm in kindergarten in this area, you know, right. like whatever specifically that feeling of, Oh, I should have done better at that thing. Is that bubbled up? And the Lord would go, no, actually you can't. And I'm going, what? Why not? <laughs> and he's going, well, you're it's not fair. That's not fair. Mm -hmm. I thought, I thought I was further along and he's going, no, that's perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And so we just continued to have those conversations. And so, I, and I started getting into the word and we just plumb the depths of God's heart about this perfectionism. Mm -hmm. We find his validation of our brokenness. We need a savior. Like right. it's the first thing I think is I went through the gospels and looked at what Paul wrote again and again, there's this validation of you are broken and you need a savior. And his invitation is to lay down our burdens and perfectionism is a burden. Mm-hmm. It's a burden to carry. And it's so life-giving to realize that you need a savior, that you don't have to give it, carry it all on your own. But actually, for a perfectionist, it's a real challenge to allow somebody to share your burden. Yeah. I don't know if you feel that, but I often feel like this is my responsibility. Yep. 
I am failing if I don't finish this or if I don't carry this. It doesn't matter if it's painful. This is my thing and I have to make it happen. Exactly. So even to give it to Jesus yeah. is a challenge, which is so ridiculous when you say it like that, but it's... It's true. Well, it's an invitation to surrender. Yeah. So in Matthew, when we're called to be perfect, to see is perfect, that word essentially means completion. So it's this summoning to let him work Christ in us, uh, to be, let him be faithful to complete what he started in our lives. It's an invitation to surrender. And Paul talks about that, about unrealistic expectations and striving, and then how we're called to do it. Christ enabling us and to be like Christ. And it, again and again, it's just, it's surrender. It's laying down, it's sacrificing our will and how we think in that, well, I can do it by myself. And it's just this act of surrender. And the other thing that ties right into that that was so hard to look at was pride. How pride Mm -hmm. is just woven all throughout Mm -hmm. perfectionism. And it can take a lot of forms, but it's so hilarious because I realized it's both I'm judging myself to be a failure while simultaneously expecting more from myself than I do from other people And Jesus is like, hmm, that smells like pride. Mm. Do you think you're better than other people? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I never would look at it that because I'm going, oh, I'm a failure. Oh, I should do better. And he's going, well, why do you expect this of yourself? Mm -hmm. So there's all these little subtle ways that pride and then the not wanting to let go and the like, well, I should be able to do it. There's just pride. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's perfectionism is sneaky and devious. And I can say that now looking at my life and how I would never have called myself a perfectionist before. Because it just, it hides. I feel like it hides. It can hide under self-righteousness, which is also bad. (laughs) It can hide under this kind of feeling of humility. It can hide under a work ethic. It can hide under a desire to do things well. And I think we just have to open up our converse, the conversation with Jesus, with our friends, with our counselors, just invite those people to start talking to us about what they see in our lives. Uh Because I think it's something that it's so hard for us to see. It really is. And we need his help to even want him to speak truth to us. Uh-huh. It can be such a, it's, it's just a trap. It's such a trap and we need his help. Um, my realignment of my thought process in this has been that I want to cooperate with God in his process of perfecting me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's where I've landed. I would yep. say through this whole thing of, confronting perfectionism, opening up that conversation with the Lord and friends and people who know me well and letting him speak truth. The end result is, God, I want to cooperate with your perfection of me, with you doing the work of Christ. Um, It's not my job. Like it's Christ's job to complete me. Mm -hmm. It's his job to make me perfect, not mine. I love that, to cooperate with the Lord in his work. So it's his idea, it's his initiative, it's his grace and strength. Um, But it does take a lot, as you've said, to surrender and to cooperate. Could you give us maybe a little example? Um, (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what? So like (laughs) you had a really difficult day with your kids and you didn't hit the standard that you wanted to of how you would parent or you were writing a blog and it wasn't good enough and you've been working on it for three weeks and it's just not good enough or whatever. What's the conversation in your mind and how do you cooperate with the Lord in those scenarios? And then even to tag on to that, how do you lower your expectations and bring them to a reasonable, non-perfectionist standard? Mm, Such good questions. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I would say that, so let's say I had a crap day and I get to the end of the day and I'm feeling this overwhelming, you failed. Um, I have to recognize, first of all, where I am emotionally and not just sit in that. And so I, I start talking to the Lord okay. and I start going, okay, did I fail? That's the first question. And is there something where I need to go apologize to my kid or I need to repent? But above all, I'm asking him, God, what do you see? my vision is not clear. Like, what do you right. see? How okay. did you see the day, Jesus? Mm -hmm. um, how do how do you see it? And what do I need to do because of how you see? And most of the time, it, it might be that going and talking to my kid and saying, hey, mom was not kind today with her words that one time or those 55 times, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is. And sometimes there's that act of repentance that has to happen. But a lot of the time, it, not necessarily. It's just my sitting and asking the Lord, how do you see me? Mm -hmm. um, and in light of how you see me, <laughs> what actually is realistic? Right. Okay. So generally his heart towards me is grace mm -hmm. and kindness and his acknowledgement of helping me understand why I had a bad day. We just talk a lot, man, Jesus. That may not be helpful, but I no, just have I to really sit and helpful. listen. Mm -hmm. I have to sit and listen to what he says and what he thinks. And oftentimes I get my Bible out and I go back to um, his expectations for me, which is surrender yep. and his declarations of who I am. And then I ask him, what is realistic? What actually should my expectations for my day be and for as a parent or X, Y, and Z? Mm -hmm. And I just ask him for help. And he always tells me something. And as I'll go and I'll talk to friends who have clearer vision than I do mm -hmm. in those areas. And I let them kind of, they reaffirm what he says. Yeah. That's sort of, that's the ideal for how I would handle yeah. that. But it's always laying down. Mm -hmm. what I think and feel like surrender is the absolute first step for me. So there's a stepping back. There's a s stopping, becoming a little more self-aware. Yeah. And then inviting the Holy Spirit into that. Yeah. To speak to that and to lead you. So there might be steps of restitution that need to be right. made or like, okay, I need to not do this thing tomorrow or yep. make sure that this gets done so that this doesn't happen again or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's in the place of conversation with the Lord as opposed to, creating a do list or creating a standard that yeah. is only going to perpetuate the cycle and make it worse. Yeah. I did a lot of, okay, so tomorrow I'm good. And I would make those lists. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this better. I'm going to do that better. I'm going to do this better. I'm going to do that. Or I'm going to try it from this approach. And it, it always continually led to failure and disappointment. Mm -hmm. So that's well, the list just gets so long after a while. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's 50 pages. Right. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You know, my standards. So, yeah. I need to know what he thinks and feels and mm -hmm. what he says about it. So you said something which actually t perfectly transitions us into talking about guilt. You said that when you would fail, then you'd be sitting there feeling like, well, why did I, you know, and that in the midst of that perfectionism is where the guilt sets in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, so they just they hand do. in hand. Yes. I think they feed off of each other. Mm -hmm. The more guilty you feel, the more you try to do harder. Right. and do better and the more you fail at doing perfectly the more guilty you feel mm -hmm. yes interesting so much insight yeah mm -hmm. so i am someone that by nature takes myself very seriously <laughs> 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 you would never know that about me um 
and takes what I'm doing. So I have just naturally kind of a high sense of responsibility. And so I am very prone to guilt. I am a perfectionist. I would say I'm like a frustrated perfectionist <laughs> because I just know, like, for example, I love beautiful things. I love sort of art and decoration. And there's just a lot of things that I'm just really not good at. And so I just don't try because I've tried and I'm just bad at it and then I get frustrated. So, I mean, that's a very basic example. But um, so... Yeah, I just I just want to speak to guilt a little bit. And there's I mean there's a lot of areas I think as women that we carry guilt. The first one that came to mind is like relationships. Uh whether it's our children or whether it's our mom or someone that we relate to and we said the wrong thing or we did something we we should have handled that better or mm. they're hurting because I did this or because I didn't do this and um there's just so many complexities there. But the thing that I, I wanted to speak to um, actually was our relationship with Jesus. Mm. And for me, there was many, many years, I mean, probably more than a decade, where I just carried a very heavy weight of, of guilt around having a quiet time and having a prayer life and meeting with the Lord and being faithful and diligent and doing what I felt was just the standard for being a Christian. Like if I'm going to, so I, I was, um, I was in full-time ministry on a missionary base. I worked for, uh, as a part of youth with a mission for over 12 years. And so I sort of felt as a missionary, as somebody, uh, doing full-time ministry this is like just the basic standard why mm. is it that I can't cut this you know why is it that I struggle so much with this and it disqualified me from even coming into the presence of the Lord which is ridiculous as well as really doing wholeheartedly and with strength and yeah. grace the thing that the Lord had given me to do um so for me it was really important to sort of say well why is where is this guilt coming from why is this thing um such a, a struggle for me and so having a look at my life having a look at my childhood the things the other things in my life that were strong values I could sort of see where it came from and my dad was a pastor and he um he was a very faithful man of prayer so he would get up at um three o'clock in the morning and pray for three hours from three to six great Scott yes <laughs> So he would, um, he was very methodical. He had like a prayer list that he would pray through and there were certain scriptures that he would pray over and pray over our family and promises that he was trusting the Lord for and asking for. And um, he was just incredibly consistent and he would do it. Um, That's abnormal. It's very abnormal. That's abnormal. But that was the standard that I grew up with. So to me, that was normal. I mean, he was a pastor, so I knew that he was probably a little bit more, he had a bit more time and flexibility to do that kind of thing. Um, he was an exceptional man in many ways, and I think I knew that, mm. but I thought, you get up early and you spend time in the Word every day. And he would do it, if wow. we were camping, he would get up and go and sit in the car and do his quiet time. If we were on a plane, he would do it. If we were uh, staying in a hotel room. He was so cute. He had this little system where he'd go and sit in the bathroom. So he'd get the ironing board out <laughs> and set it up so he could write. And he'd sit on the toilet while he had his <laughs> little quiet time. So Even that respectful he of other people sleeping he during his three hours. Sleep. <laughs> I don't know why he didn't go down to the lobby or something. Anyway, he, uh, <laughs> but that was, um, that was the standard that I grew up under. And mm. I was, 
incredibly blessed to have a wonderful godly family that taught me so much about the Lord. But that became something that was a real burden for me. Yeah. And so was that expected of you or you just expected that? Yeah. So it was never said. My parents never said to me, this is what you need to do. Um, But I took it on myself. And so there was one time I was probably in my mid-20s and I, I like came to have a quiet time or whatever and I started out. This is how I'd start out every time that I spent time with the Lord, sort of apologizing mm. and saying, Look, you know, I'm so sorry that I haven't done this and this and I'm sorry that it hasn't, you know, I didn't have a quiet time yesterday or whatever. And, and I felt like... Um, and then I was sort of started saying, you know, I love you. And I had to like reaffirm that I did actually want to be a Christian. You know, like it was really the, the position of my heart was really sort of pathetic. Like I was really groveling. And um, I felt like the Holy Spirit kind of interrupted me and just said, I know. Like, you don't have to do this. Like when you are with me, be with me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you hear things like that and it's like yeah and then you forget the next day but this was like real profound Mm. truth it was like revelation in my heart that lord said it's okay you know and i just um and that was really life-giving but i i just realized and i've taken this to several other areas where i've struggled with perfectionism is that i maybe don't do it as consistently as i would like to i maybe don't get the standard that i like to but when i do do it I'm going to do it and I'm going to yeah, rejoice in that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if so, where I've landed right now, and I've talked about this before, is um, I have sort of a date. So I set aside two or three hours where I do something, where I like step away from the craziness of my house and my kids and I spend more time in the Word and I spend time worshipping and I journal and I pray for each one of my kids the way I feel like I should do every day. But, right. um, uh, and that's like deep and rich and I, I take that time and I'm deliberate about that time, but I don't try and do that every day. Mm-hmm. So if I spend time with the Lord while I'm folding my laundry and I just connect with Him and chat with Him and process the things on my heart then that's, that's a real win for me and I really yeah. take that. Or if, you know, when I'm looking at my calendar and I'm writing stuff down and I just kind of dialogue with the Lord a little bit, then that's a real win. And then there are times that, like you described, where you're sort of forced into the presence of the Lord because you're so <laughs> desperate. You know, you're really just struggling or discouraged or whatever and you're like, Lord, I just, I can't keep going until I receive some bread from heaven. Yeah, I found that a lot of days there's always 10 minutes at the end. Mm-hmm. Like even if you're sitting on the toilet. Right. Do you know I mean, like there's almost always 10 to 15 minutes just to have that conversation with the Lord. And sometimes my dealing with my perfectionism happens and that's all I have. Like I, right. I can't even do an hour, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Do you know what right. I mean? So I think even that acknowledging that expectation or that's a realistic expectation. Mm-hmm. I can do 15 minutes at the end of my day and go, okay, Lord, this happened. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so in the line of fear. Yeah, absolutely. How you, handle it, you know, so I guess my encouragement to you as it relates to guilt is it's just not a burden. It's not something that the Lord is putting on you. Um, if there's an, a specific issue that is like kind of a consistent theme, 
um, that you would kind of ask the Lord to give you some insight. What's mm-hmm. the root of that thing? And um, to take the small victories and really celebrate them. Like even if it's, I just spent 15 minutes folding the laundry, you know, and I prayed for each one of mm-hmm. my kids or I, I gave that thing to the Lord that I've been struggling with. Um, that he hears that and he receives that wholeheartedly and that that's fully um, valuable and that qualifies you. You can't qualify yourself in any way. Nothing that you do ultimately is is good enough. But he he receives what you bring, even the very smallest yes and amen to him um, brings him great pleasure. So, yeah. So the relational guilt that you touched on, Mm -hmm. how in your day as you walk about it with all your children and you are not perfect in it, I assume. No. I'm not perfect in mine, so I'm guessing that that is an assumption across the board for Mm -hmm. everyone probably. Um, How do you combat those little tiny interactions that would lead to guilt? Failed interactions or you snap at them or didn't handle a situation well, as, as the day goes on, I, sometimes for me, at least the guilt sinks in. So how in mm-hmm. that moment do you combat or do you just do it at the end of the day? Well, one thing that I've learned, um, the older I am, <laughs> the more I realize that it's just not worth carrying unresolved relational tension mm-hmm. for any amount of time. Right. So I often, as quickly as I can deal with something, I will. Shirley Brownhill said this on one of our episodes last year. If you haven't listened to it, you really have to go and listen to it because it's exceptionally good. But she talked about our greatest consistency needs to be humility. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. as if there's if there's tension in a relationship with a friend or something, or if, if you snap at your kids and you know in that moment that you've done the right thing, just to humble yourself. Um, you don't necessarily have to take responsibility for the whole scenario because often there are things, other yeah. things at play. And I used to, I would, because I wanted to fix the problem, I'd say it was my fault, I'm so sorry. And it's not always my fault, but I'm responsible for my reaction. Right. And so um, with my kids, for example, I'll say, mommy should not have shouted at you, please forgive me. And I'll ask them for my forgiveness. I don't just say sorry. That's something that we teach them to do when they've done the wrong thing, that they need to ask for forgiveness and then they need to extend forgiveness to the person. Mm -hmm. Um, But then often it takes me a few hours or even a day to kind of for things to sort of sink in. And so sometimes I do need to go back again or I need to say, okay, we're going to change the way that we do the bedtime routine because this isn't working. Yeah. And you guys keep getting up or whatever. This is a symptom of disobedience. And in that moment, I couldn't recognize that. And that's why I yelled at everybody. So I need to take responsibility for the yelling. But rather than having this ongoing guilt, every time at bedtime I yell at all my kids, Yeah, I need to, you know, there's something else that Parenting. needs to happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah, the elusive thing. <laughs> I found just going back to that person and being really honest in the moment fixes like 90% of hmm. relational issues. Um, but sometimes things come up and you're like, well, that wasn't actually my fault. And when she said that, it really hurt my feelings. And so that thing needs to be revisited. Um, the other thing that's really helped for me is to, to, be able to discern whether what happened in that relationship was a sin issue 
or just a forbearance issue? Hmm. Did they do something that it did hurt my feelings, but that wasn't their intention and it was was a really small thing and they were having a bad day and I can extend grace to them. So I might need to process that in my own heart and choose to forgive them because it did hurt. But it's not a sin issue. It's not something that I need to go to them and confront them on and say, when you said this, that said, there are times when it is a sin issue when they did something that was actually not right and that does need for the health of your relationship you do need to have a conversation about that um but I just found when I sort of processed that and I I saw there's a lot of things that are not a a sin issue it's not a major thing and I can extend grace and I can forgive them and love them and sort of resolve that thing and I don't have to carry it anymore um it's just made a huge difference to my emotional and mental well-being. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So tell us about your interaction with intentionality. intentionality. Well, so um, intentionality is its a big thing in my life. I have a very busy life. I don't really know how we pack all the stuff that we do Um, into our life but I feel like intentionality is choosing to live my fast life slowly Mm. Mm. that's Mm. very quotable right put that on Instagram so um choosing to live intentionally for me um I kind of break it down in several ways we my husband and I talk a lot about what we are called to Mm. and so we Um, feel like we are called to make disciples that make disciples. Mm -hmm. And for us, that looks like forming relationship. It looks like raising our children in a way because we are discipling them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we choose things, we kind of let that hang over our decisions. So are the things that we are filling our time with or choosing to say yes to, do they support that calling? Mm. So um, this last year, we moved 25 minutes away from the majority of our friends and family to live next to um, some other friends of ours that we felt called to live in community with. Um, And while that maybe at some times made our schedules a little tighter, um, it also is what we felt called to do and what we really felt strongly about doing. Um, and it was something we had talked about a lot for several years and this just happened to be, it just, the Lord just opened a door for it. So while to a lot of people, and we moved out of a preferred school district and into a less preferred school district and we have a child with special needs and people thought we were crazy. (laughs) Um, so, but that fell under our umbrella of what we felt called to do. So you were intentional about a major life yes. decision. Yes. But there was a there was a standard that you measured that Correct. against. It wasn't just hmm. Yes. Okay. And um Jesus is a gives us great, great insight on intentionality. Um especially in the well, in the gospels. Not especially. <laughs> <laughs> Primarily. <laughs> Primarily in the gospels. Um over and over it talks about Jesus um retreating. So going to rest, going to spend time with the father. He was Mm -hmm. intentional to do that. So 
um, that intentionality is a, a place that we can um, choose to mimic the Lord and I don't have growth in our life, really. Mm-hmm. And then um, as he chose people, um, he was in, he knew and kept in mind what he was doing. Mm. So when he went and chose people, he didn't say, what are you doing? Can I come along? He said, right. drop right. your nets and follow me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he knew that he was on a mission from God. Yeah. And so um, there are lots of, Lots of options. You could follow your friends, but if you have a calling from the Lord, why not invite your friends into what you're doing? Right. Interesting. Right. And not be afraid, not be second guessing that, but just say, this is who I am. This is what the Lord's called me to do. Do you want to come on this journey? Yeah. With us. And that, I feel like that's really hard to do. Um, and you will not make friends sometimes that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, However, and not that your friends should follow you, but maybe right. they're interested in what the Lord has called you to and, and are looking for a ministry or whatever themselves. Um, and I guess Jesus was Jesus, so he is asking them to follow God, not a person. You know, there's all of those <laughs> semantics, but whatever. But you're being intentional about the people that you have <laughs> around Correct. you. Correct, yeah, really being intentional about. How um, shapes, what shapes your Right. Life and the right. culture and yeah, your children. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in relationships, so Jesus asks his people that he is with to follow him. But in relationships, we really work in our family on being intentional about um, my husband and I have date nights. We try and do it weekly. It really turns into twice a month, probably. Um, keeping up with friends, I um, have I drive a lot. And so in the car, I try and call a friend to mm-hmm. catch up with them and be intentional about mm. being in a relationship with them, especially moving 25 minutes away from most of them. Yeah. I see them less, but I still want to be right. in community with those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a big thing for me in relationship is following up. So when a friend tells me they're struggling with something or going through something, um, following up with that is a big deal. Yeah. I love to be followed up with. Mm-hmm. If something's going on, if someone remembers that and comes back to me, that gives us relational depth, I feel like. Yeah. I feel loved and remembered. And then um, a, a good friend of mine now, um, years ago, I asked her if she would kind of mentor me. And she told me no, and it's kind of a joke, because basically she said, yes, if you want to come be a part of what we're doing, Hmm. Um, then yes, I would totally mentor you, but I just have to protect the time and space of my family. And so I just really can't do that unless we're kind of living life together. And that kind of hurt a little bit. Um, (laughs) But man, it just made me really step back and think about who I'm investing in and who I should be investing in instead of spreading myself thin and saying yes to investing in everyone. Like if I'm intentional to invest in a few that also are willing to invest back in me that's pretty cool yeah it is that's really cool how interesting it took this kind of awkward yeah offense (laughs) almost yeah to but that was it's almost an issue of discipleship like she discipled you absolutely yes and then she's also really well known for bringing people into what she's already doing So if there is a young woman that she is wanting to get to know and that woman is seeking relationship with her, she'll say, hey, I'm going to the grocery store with my children. You want to come? Because 
setting up a coffee date when you have multiple children Mm -hmm. and finding a babysitter and being away from them, there is value in that, but it's not always doable. Right. So. Super cool. Yeah. And then um, my favorite word of all time, calendaring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) your face was awesome Larissa (laughs) I just love it it's the best Um, I also learned this from that same friend Um, really looking at our calendars and putting all our options on there and then man just starting crossing stuff off Mm -hmm. because while I would love to come to your child's birthday party and spend time with you and do all that that might not fit into our week and your two-year-old is not going to remember that we did not come to their birthday So saying no to that and allowing ourselves time to rest and to um, retreat as a family even, we are kind of on a big kick of on Sundays we rest. I Mm -hmm. hashtag it in my Instagram all the time. On Sundays we rest and really what that looks like. And um, our church doesn't meet every Sunday and it meets in the evening. So we just kind of veg as a family on Sunday because we do live busy lives and we need that. And I want to cultivate that in my children. So yeah, that's kind of my spiel on intentionality. It's excellent. It's really good. I love it that you hit on relationships as well as calendaring and how those two things overlap. Oh yeah. Like the fact that you take the time, the downtime that we listen to nothing in the car to invest in people that you love I think is is very profound, something that we can all take away for sure. You've actually said before, every time I see you, you're talking on the phone. And I'm like, yeah, I'm meeting up with my people, not in person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my connect time. Yeah. I mean, that can't come in lieu of hanging out with my children and stuff. You do have to be careful about that. But man, in that downtime, it's a good, for me, it's a good use it's of good time. good use of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I think that's about all we have time for today. I would like to encourage you, if you're listening to this, could you shoot us an email and tell us what are the things that are really important to you, what are the things that you're struggling with or that you'd like to hear uh, hear more about? Um, as we set up the schedule for 2015, we want to make sure 2017. that we're... What did I say? You said 2015. Oh, my wow. gosh. We went two years behind. It's Okay. <laughs> As we set up the schedule for 2017, (laughs) we want to make sure that we're talking about things and having guests that can share insight into the things that you are really processing. So how do they easily email us? Yes, please email us at hello at moolilyproject.com. You can go to the website and just hit contact us and there's a little, little form thing to fill out. If you need that in American accent, it's hello at moolilyproject.com. Okay. <laughs> Just, you know, to be bilingual. That's mm. why we haven't been getting Dang. the emails. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't been said in American yet. Oh, my gosh. See, that's what y- why you guys are here. We're here. <laughs> I understood we got it covered. you, Christina. I understood sure, everybody understood me. In fact, they preferred it the way I did. They probably did. They did. I mean, <laughs> I did. I did, too. I did, so it's okay. So the next series that we have coming up, I'm really excited about. We're going to be looking essentially at the gospel. What do we believe? What is it that we're fighting to live for as believers in our nation? And two things we're going to be talking about is kingdom, mm-hmm. um, how we are building the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, what that means, what that looks like, and covenant, our relational covenant with the Lord, and again, how that plays out and how we can 
intentionally invest in that and building that. So we've got a couple of really great speakers coming up. So you're going to want to yeah. check that out. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Have a guilt-free, non-perfectionistic, intentionally <laughs> amazing <laughs> couple of weeks. And we'll see you soon. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.